Milo Vonnen, welcome and well met. Thanks for joining me for this episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm your host and resident Tolkien nerd, Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm excited and honored that you've chosen to join me today. I hope that you are looking forward to learning, laughing, and being encouraged about your blended family. Milo Vonnen, everybody, and welcome back to 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. And I've got a special treat for you today uh, with our guest, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Uh, Michelle is a national speaker, author, professional counselor of 24 years, and the founder of the ABBA Project, a nine-month group forum for dads whose daughters are in their teens and 20s. She writes guest articles regularly for journals and magazines, both online and print, as well as her own bi-monthly Dad-Daughter Friday blog and has been interviewed on numerous radio programs and television programs. Her first book is titled, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, A Guide for Connecting With Your Daughter's Heart, which is now available in her own voice on Audible, which is awesome. And she also has written contributing chapters in Father's Say and also How to Disciple Men. Dr. Michelle hosts a weekly radio program in her hometown of Portland, Oregon, called The Dad Whisperer, which is an awesome nickname, by the way, which apparently was given to her by someone. Uh, And that's available on her website and in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Her second book, Another Field Guide for Dads of Daughters, is titled Let's Talk, Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters. And it was released in August 2020. She also co-chairs the Father-Daughter Initiative at the National Center for Fathering with her husband, Dr. Ken Canfield, and together they're preparing to relaunch the Father-Daughter Summit in 2021 in a Let's Talk curriculum for dads of daughters. Um, Dr. Michelle, as a father of two daughters who uh, both of them are teenagers right now, sweet heavens above, I'm thankful for your work. So thank you for thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk with you today, and I just I'm very grateful that you're here. And I know a lot of our listeners will be once they have heard more about you and what you do as well. So uh, thank you again for coming on. Oh, it's my joy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I like to start with to give everybody an idea of who you are and where you're coming from, other than your bio, is for you in your own words to give us kind of a summary of your blended family experience, personal, professional, or both. Because I know obviously you work a lot with dads and daughters. Um, right. So yeah, we'd love to hear we'd love to hear more about specifically what you do and, and how you do it. Well, it it's so funny, Joel, that you're you're starting out with asking me about the blended family thing because <laughs> When you first said, hey, you know, Michelle, you want to do this interview? I'm like, I don't think I'm the one for you to be talking to. I'm not that girl. And then literally, right, when you and I were talking right before we started, all of a sudden I had this aha moment of going, wait, I'm a part of a blended family. I just got married four and a half months ago, and I have inherited a tribe of 24 people. Wow. Wow. The man that I married, his wife died last year, and we've been colleagues since 2011, always above board, mm-hmm. and out of the blue, God went, okay, I want you guys together. You've shared a simple <laughs> passion. You know, he wrote the foreword to my first book, and again, we've been very passionate separately about dads and daughters, and so mm-hmm. I now have not only a husband, and I'm 60. Okay, let's add that in there. <laughs> married for the first time at this age. Wow. I digress on that one until every dad who has a daughter, whatever age she is, literally do not force her to get married. <laughs> because God is working things together for these two to be ready at just the right time. And mm. this has been such a seamless blending. And I know that might sound like, oh, I have stars in my eyes still. But I, I really mean this is that when it's when we've all done our own work, I think we've mm-hmm. done enough of our own healing work, which is part of my story. 
is that when then you bring two families together, it's less uh, chaotic. And it's been, it's, I just had a, a pastor friend say, you know, he prayed over us in our wedding and we got married Father's Day weekend, of course. Nice. And he said, you know, what's been the best part and what's been the biggest surprise? And I said, well, the best part's having that locked and loaded partner. But the surprise, I said, has been how easy it's been. Mm, and that's Ken wonderful. Said the same thing. He said wow. it's separate from me. So I know it's not just stars in our eyes. It's just, <laughs> you know, we communicate well and mm -hmm. we have a similar passion. And so anyway, back to the question about the blended family is so... So now I have a husband, he has five kids, four are married and 14 grandkids. That is a serious tribe to have jumped into. Okay, come on. That is a serious <laughs> blending of colors. And, uh -huh. and I just absolutely am in seventh heaven with mm. being able to have impact on in the lives of this family, in all of their lives in this family, but them in mine as well. I mean, I feel like I'm a richer shade of color as well with all mm -hmm. of them. So yeah. well, praise the yeah. Lord that it's been, it's been seamless like that. And it's been easy for you guys um, so far. And I really, I pray that that continues because that's, that's not the experience that a lot of blended families have, obviously, but I think you touched on something that we'll come back to. And that is uh, it requires each person to do work ahead of time yeah. to make the blend as easy as it can be. Because one of the things I teach a lot is that every blended family comes from a place of pain whether it's yeah. pain of loss, like what you mentioned with, with your husband's first wife, and, uh, or whether it's the pain of divorce, you know, right. uh, for whatever reason, um, every blended family comes from a place of pain. And that's true of the adults and the kids. And so until we can, until we can learn how to work through and deal with some of that, we're just going to carry that with us. Well, and I love that you're highlighting that. Like you said, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing without addressing the real issues of blended yeah. families. And so when I came into this family, mm -hmm. I, I started getting calls, right? I'm and sure. One of his daughters, then one of his sons. And his daughter just goes, you know, okay, I want the, I want the story. And, and <laughs> tell me real what's going on. And these, these girls, especially two of them, weren't done. Mm -hmm. And they're still not done. Not that that's right. really what I want to use, but I'll, I'll say it better. Not that they weren't done grieving, but that they were right in the middle yeah. still. And that's of hard. Loss of their mom. Yeah. And so I was really encouraged by others who have walked this journey that mm. said, you know, don't force them to like you, right. Don't force them in their grieving process until they're done. Or on, I, again, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful with saying done, but right. I think there's a difference between being in acute pain and being more on the other side of a surgical procedure. I'm having surgery right. on my eye this week. So that's my reference point. There you go. But really thinking about, you know, wherever, each one is at, I've really sought to honor them and not force them to like me or talk right. to me until they're ready. And four of the five of the five of his five kids could come to our wedding. The one that couldn't was because she was pregnant with her fourth baby. Wow. I think the beauty of that is just showing that we didn't even know one of them would come till the last week. So it was all about giving them freedom. Right. To feel what they feel. Right. To engage at whatever level they can. And, and I really don't take it personal. If right. some of them don't feel ready to engage with me at a certain level, that doesn't say anything about me or about them. It's just about right. timing and honoring the process. And, you know, being a shrink now for 24 and a half years, I'm pretty used to honoring people's pacing. Mm -hmm. And so I don't say, I, I get that this is maybe sounding like I'm exalting myself and I don't mean it that way, but it really has added to 
what I would say is a better blending because of some of those decisions. Yeah, well, obviously, you'd, you'd like to think that if you've been working with dads of daughters for years and you've been, a, like you said, a shrink for a long time, you could apply some of what you've been helping other people learn for decades to your own situation. I, I love the things that you mentioned. One, you can't force them to like you. Two, you can't force them to rush through the grieving process. And um, uh, and I totally just forgot the third part because I didn't write it down, but I should have. Well, but well, I, I, I love those things that you've mentioned there. Um, yeah. Oh, that, well, and that was the other was just letting them come along kind of at their own time in turn, and, and not taking it personally. That was the third one. Not mm -hmm. taking it personally. If they're not ready yet for whatever role you're going to play, that's okay. Yeah. And I've even maybe heard like you have of, I said this this weekend, I cannot imagine somebody marrying someone who doesn't like their children mm -hmm. or their grandchildren. But sadly, we do hear those stories. And mm -hmm. I'd say, if there's a parent listening who doesn't like, you know, in a blended family, some of the kids, mm -hmm. remember that you have to turn that around. You're right. the adult. Yeah. You have to ask God to give you his lens yep. to love that child because they don't get a choice right. in who their parent marries. Yeah. And if you really don't like some of them, ask God to, to turn that around. Because even just being vulnerable is my parents were pregnant when they got married with me mm -hmm. and they didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I was about 12, this was the, the early seventies, the women's movement. My mom started going to these workshops for women and began to look at some of the stuff going on with her and realized that she didn't really like me. Mm. I was like at a deep level, I'm wired very different than her. She's a second born gentle little lamb and I'm a firstborn lion, you know, that's roaring. And she literally, I think was projecting onto me some of her unfinished business of being pregnant mm -hmm. with me. Okay. You know, before they got married unconsciously, it right. wasn't that she was trying to not like me, mm -hmm. but she sat down after one of these women's conferences and said, you know what, Michelle, I want to ask your forgiveness because I don't think I've loved you the way that you've needed to be loved. You know, and I've asked, but she said, I've asked God to give me a supernatural love for you. Wow. And I can tell you without a doubt, my mom is my best friend. Mm. And we are, we're probably the closest of all four girls because we've done a lot of life together with me being right. single the longest. I'm sure. And I'm telling anyone listening who maybe really doesn't like the child that, that they've inherited or the children, mm -hmm. ask God to give you a supernatural love because that's right, what right. God gave my mom for mm -hmm. me. And, and we've been the closest of close. So yeah. God can do things that we can't do in the natural, right? Absolutely. And I think that's wonderful too, because you're exactly right. There's, there's always hope that things can get better, but it also, it can't be just hope. You can't do like hoping is not a strategy for making things better. Like you oh, do hope that it gets better, it. but you've also got to do the work. Yes. Um, and I know that's something that, that you um, do a lot of is helping dads through a lot of that. Um, so the, the next kind of question I have is what, what's the biggest blended family challenge you faced, whether again, personally or professionally, and, and how have you overcome or addressed that? What are some of the issues maybe you've helped dads uh, overcome with, with some of their daughters, that sort of thing, whether they're estranged or just strained? Yeah. Well, the, the group that I've led for the past decade, this one mm -hmm. that I founded called the ABBA Project, ABBA means daddy in Aramaic, and Men Lover Project, right? Hence the name. I coach 12 dads a year. Mm -hmm. And these are dads with daughters in their teens or their 20s. And so as you can imagine, a large percentage of the men in the group 
are divorced. Mm-hmm. I would easily probably say 40%. Wow. It just, right, as common as that is. So many of the dads, when you talked about the challenges, uh, I find that they're facing having less face time with their kids and sometimes being kind of pushed out at certain ages where their daughters hit teens and then don't like dad or his rules at his home. And so mom maybe is softer. And so then it's, I don't want to come over to your house. And so I have dads often in my group that are just hemorrhaging at the heart level because I'm sure, they're yeah. so hurt that their daughters are rejecting them. And, you know, I even think of one dad that's been in the group where he defended uh, his daughter had been abused. And when he fought to have this brought into a court situation so that their right would be, you know, retribution for the offender, she turned against dad and oh. didn't want dad to make it public. And so mm. here he is a few years later, five years later, and she won't forgive him. Wow. And so what I encourage dads always to do is say, you have to keep your heart turned towards her. God said, if you're, you know, if the hearts of fathers don't turn to their children and children to their fathers, he says, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. It's this reciprocal process that starts with dads. But I'd say that's when I hear a lot is dads get really hurt mm-hmm. a lot more than maybe they admit publicly mm-hmm. over the rejection of their daughters. They try to maybe set rules and boundaries and now they're not in the same home. So it's good cop, bad cop. And, but I find that a lot of times when dads just stay the course in pursuing their daughter's hearts, it's, mm-hmm. it's finding a way that even if she's pushing you away, dad, that you, you maybe give her a little space, but you find a way to write a note or text a note mm-hmm. or drop a Starbucks by or a common practical thing. I'm all about, you know, making these ideas really practical. Absolutely. I'm not just talking theoretical, like dad, be a more engaged father. I know, but what right. Thanks for that. that. I had no yeah, idea. I already know that. I go, dad, go get a dry erase marker or a pack of sticky notes. Mm-hmm. This is whether your daughter is with you full-time, part-time, or you're estranged. And write notes to her on these sticky notes and put them on her mirror. Because the truth is, we as women, when we look in the mirror, we see every flaw, everything wrong with ourselves. And it's almost like the mirror talks back and tells <laughs> us how fat we are or ugly or not this enough or not that enough. And I have seen such power when dads literally like will write right on the mirrors of their daughters with a dry erase marker. Like, you're beautiful to me. I'm so thankful I'm your dad. I'm proud of you. I'm praying for you today. But things that affirm her and show her you're in her corner, it goes so far. And the reason I'm telling you the story, Joel, is that one of the dads in my group, the one I'm telling you about where there had been this five-year estrangement, she wouldn't even look his way. She wouldn't talk to him. She would never do the monthly dad-daughter dates. But he went, she can drive. I'm going to go right on her rear view, uh, or not a rear view mirror, her outside mirror. Mm-hmm. So he writes on there that he loves her because she won't talk to him, right? But he's like, mm-hmm. she has a car. I could leave a note there because nope. she's not coming in where I can put it on the bathroom mirror. She literally wiped it off by the time he looked, looked at it like a week later. And he goes, I got her. Yep. Because I know she read it. That's right. She wiped it off. That's awesome. And so isn't that a practical That's a great way place to start? Dad said, yep. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. Right. I'm going to find a way yep. to reach her heart, even if she pushes me away. 
And I know one of my friends, Alan Smith, he was a young life leader in California for about 25 mm -hmm. years. And when his daughter was four years old, he was driving a van of senior and high school girls to a retreat. And he said to these girls, cause he could hear them talking about their dads. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Hey girls, I just want to interrupt you for a minute. He goes, my daughter's four. You guys are the experts. Can you tell me something I need to know? Wow. So that when my daughter is your age. She's not going to be talking about me. Like you're talking about your dad, mm. your dad. You want to hear what they said? They said, literal quote, when we pushed our dads away, we wished that he wouldn't have left. Mm. When wow. we pushed our dad away, we wished that he wouldn't have left. And the truth is, dad, in a blended family, whether divorce was because of you or your ex-wife, it doesn't matter whose, quote, fault it was. The fallout on your daughter and your son is so significant that if you just go into defense mode, you drive the wedge further and your child oftentimes feels like they're carrying the weight mm -hmm. of the burden of the divorce or the death, you know, with where they're living with regret that they didn't say this enough to the one who died or whatever. But the more you can just be relentless, relentless in saying, even when she pushes me away, I am going to find a way to communicate love, to reach her heart. And I'm telling you in years to come, she will look back and thank you that you never gave up on her. Mm, that's so powerful. And I love, I love that you mentioned that because that is something that, uh, again, I know for some of the people that I've spoken with, it's really hard for dads to stay that course. It's hard to not take it personally. It's hard to not get angry back at the kid. And, and uh, you know, I can understand the desire. Like if the kid doesn't want anything to do with you, I can understand the desire to just throw up your hands and go, fine then. Yep. But, but again, we're the adults. We've got to reach out to them even when they don't want us to consciously because yes, in the long run, they're going to be much more hurt if they, if they know you just gave up on them, if they know you gave up on that relationship. And so yeah. I, I love that. I think it's so, so very powerful, especially for blended families, like you said. Exactly. Exactly. Even today, literally, this mm -hmm. is just today. I talked with a dad and his daughter's 19 mm -hmm. and he said, she doesn't usually talk, but he caught her right in a moment where she started crying. I don't oh. have any friends. You know, I'm lonely. I hate this time of year. And on it went about all the things that she was really struggling with. And he's like, I can't believe she opened up. She never does this. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like he didn't give up on the fact right. that she doesn't usually talk. Yep. He pushes him away. And I guarantee you, if you keep staying the course, there's going to be that moment where all of a sudden yeah. she's going to need someone to talk to, even if it right. just happens to be you. That's right. You call, you yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I had a moment almost exactly like that with my own daughter just a couple of weeks back. My, my older daughter um, and her younger sister live full time with their mom. And um, the, uh, the older one and I have had a strained relationship for a while, mostly because of, of my anger issues when she was younger. Mm. And, um, I didn't realize how much damage that had caused. And, uh, you know, until it kind of blew up when she was about 13, she's mm. 16 now. Um, you know, we're, we've been doing much better for about a year. We've talked with counselors and that kind of stuff, but, mm. um, I went to pick her up for soccer practice one day, a couple of weeks ago, and she came outside and just, she looked exhausted and haggard. And I said, baby, what's going on? And she said, can I have a hug? 
Wow. Absolutely. Sweetheart, come here. What's going on? And she, she just leaned her head on my chest and just started crying. And I, and it was like, she was three years old again. So I just rubbed her head and what's going on. And it it had, it was actually, um, it had something to do with uh, a situation that had come up during her day. I don't want to give details because that's her story, but she just, she was just having a very emotional day. And, uh, and it wasn't just a situation with me, but it was other things going on in her world, but she just needed somebody to talk to and cry on for a minute. And she's, you know, she said, can I skip soccer practice tonight? I'm just not going to be useful to anybody because it's not going to go. I said, yes, of course there's, I, look, I love soccer and I'm ultra competitive, but there are bigger things in the world than soccer practice. Come on now. Yep. There are. And, and to be fair, there was a time I would not have said that when I was younger as a coach, I would not have, I would not have said that 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 today I totally get it. And so I love that you shared that about that dad, because I can totally identify with the idea of, you know, stay the course, make yourself available, be willing to do the work, be willing to, to do what it takes to not take it personally. Yeah. And you'll have some of those moments. They may be few and far between, but man, they're amazing when they come and you just got to yeah. hold on to that hope that they will. Yeah. Ex- and keep showing up like That's you right. did. You know what else yeah. I love you just shared, Joel, is that you're saying we did go to counseling. Mm-hmm. We to did. Deal with some of my former anger, which if I'm reading between the lines and I, I'm not just saying this to toot your horn, but I'm hearing humility here because I know that there are dads. And again, some of these have been in my group that go, I'll never go have somebody else tell me how to father my daughter or son. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't want to humble myself, if you will, and right. have input. Right. And I have had these men in my counseling office where their children have literally drugged them in here. Right. The wall is up and they don't like me and they don't like anything I have to say. And the truth is you don't have to like a counselor, but if your daughter or son needs you to hear them and that's the only place they feel safe, coming humbly to hear how you've impacted them is, is really a starting point. And that's why in mm-hmm. this, in this new book, let's talk conversation starters for dads and daughters, it's mm-hmm. been born out of a decade of walking alongside dads and coaching mm-hmm. dad, daughters. Yep. And what I have found is if, if dads can get their daughters talking, right. their heart opens. See when, when our mouth opens, our heart opens, right? And when our heart is open, a dad's heart is open. True or false. Yep. Not true. Yep, right. So, absolutely. So that, it really comes down. It's that full circle thing to how can you help her open up? Right. See, that's what you did. You had your daughter's head on your chest. Tell me, baby, mm. what's going on? Out it comes. And then her heart bonded more with yours. Mm. So that's why in this book, I've got five sections and mm. it's all about equipping dads to lead, lead her to laugh, mm. lead her to love herself and others. Then the third section is lead her to look. Now this is getting it into some of the harder, deeper mm-hmm. issues like sex and sex, sexting and sexual harassment and porn and same-sex attraction and eating disorders and substance use and cutting and stuff that maybe dad would go, here, mom, you go in, you're a girl, you can you know, carry the heavy stuff. No, dads, the research shows every area of your daughter's life will be stronger, healthier, and, and really, I would say, more empowered mm-hmm. if she feels a connection to you. The next section is lead her to lament. Mm -hmm. And in this section, it's, it's dads asking their daughters questions. I've written them out. So dad, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're just in, in themes. And your daughter can even pick the theme on a dad daughter date if you want. But really it's, some of them are like, 
leading her to tell you what wound she still has from you from years ago. Like, mm -hmm. here's where you hurt me with your anger. Right. Here's where you hurt me with your words. Or voids, places you didn't show up, mm -hmm. which is really a vulnerable, humble place for yeah. a dad to open up that conversation. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Joel, I've asked men often in my groups, how many of you are married to a woman or were married to a woman that you would say still has issues with her dad that aren't healed? Every hand goes up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every hand. And I'm going, okay, I'm passionate about equipping dads now. Right. Do the work, whatever age their daughter is, right. so that they don't become the mothers then of children who pass on maybe inadvertently mm. a negative view of dad, her husband, because or ex-husband because of her unhealed father wounds. Right. It's like, dad, clean it out now. Make right. amends now. Yep. And that's no time really like the present. Right. Is that's what this book is about, where you can mm. say, like, for example, if you don't even get my book, here's a question you could say is. What words have I spoken to you that have made you feel better about yourself? Hmm. And what words have I spoken to you that have made you feel worse about yourself? And dad, if you can get her talking about those, you don't want to be defensive, but you can say, oh man, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? It's got to come with the will you forgive me part. Right. Yeah, Just, absolutely. Oh, I'm so sorry I said that. That's how you rebuild the bridge to her heart. And then the fifth section of the book is lead her to listen. And so 54 of the, of the 60 scripts are questions dads can ask their daughters and activities they can do with them. But the last six are teaching a daughter how to ask her dad questions and then listen to what he has to say so that she doesn't just have like 240 characters, <laughs> but she's literally learning how to ask questions and listen back because the more she can know about your life, Mm -hmm. Not only the closer will you be, but guess what else it does? It helps you as a dad remember what it was like right. at her age that you may have forgotten. Maybe your expectations are way out of line with her age. Mm -hmm. So when she's going like, dad, what was your relationship like with your dad when you were my age? Yeah. Oh, wait, I forgot. You know, oh, so, man. That's, that's a terrible question. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know? But it's getting daughters to open up too. Yeah. Um, and dad's to open up as well and that it goes both ways then to rebuild that bridge or to strengthen the bridge between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know um, when, when you and I first started talking about having you come on the podcast, I looked into your books and the very next day my wife and I would drive, my wife and I have some of our best conversations in the car. Mm -hmm. And the very next day we were driving, I said, hey, by the way, there's a couple of books I need to put on my, at the time of this recording, this is pre-Thanksgiving, I told her there's a couple of books I need to put on my Christmas list. Um, oh, that's awesome. Just because I get, I've got two daughters who are teenagers and, and, you know, uh, our relationships are pretty good, but they can always get better. And I would love to, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about getting those and, um, starting to use some of those scripts. And I wrote myself a note over here also to, to look online. I know you've got uh, a bunch of free resources on your website. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to checking out a lot of those about your ABBA project and that kind of stuff. And, and dads, I'm telling you, if your relationship with your daughters is hurting, this is great for you. If your relationship with your daughters is awesome, great. Make it even better. I saw a great quote from, um, I think it's Gil and Brenda Stewart, who do a lot of work with blended families. If you're not familiar with them, they're awesome. Uh, and they're going to be on the show at some point in the future. But they have a great quote. They say, the best time to work on your relationship is when things are going well instead of waiting oh, until there's good. a crisis. And um, 
And so yes. I, dad, again, yeah, if, you're, if your relationship with your daughters is awesome already, good, keep it that way. Because however old they are, they're about to turn another year old and it may not be the same. <laughs> That's a good may way not to be it. the same. Let me just give a shout out right here is if anybody's listening right now and you want my website, it's drmichellewatson.com. Awesome, so even though yes. Canfield is now my new married name, <laughs> I, for so many years, everyone's known Been me as Dr. Dr. Michelle Watson. Watson. Yeah. So I, I've kept that website, but, but again, I do have free, free resources. And just mm -hmm. last week, I had a woman contact me who said, you know, I heard you on the radio. It's also a podcast, but she said, I, I copied all the resources and sent them to my husband. He's in nice. California, but she said that whole thing about 25 things never to say. Oh man. I, like, I could probably Whoa. write that list of things I said to my kids. <laughs> She's like, Oh my goodness. Jeez. You know, I'm telling dad's like, don't ever say anything about her weight. Don't ever go there. <laughs> right? you know? No, I didn't do that with my kids. I did do that with my first wife. I could write a book on what not to say to a pregnant lady. Okay. Oh, there is. Oh man, but I'm telling you. Being vulnerable. Come on. Wow, it's you know when you when you've screwed up that much, like may as well try to help other people not be that dumb. Okay, come on. But you know what? Again, <laughs> I know I'm telling all these stories of just current interactions, but a couple of weeks ago, a man wrote me and said, with my first book, Dad, you know, here's what I really need from you. He mm. said I cried through the first forty pages. Oh, I bet. And he said it's showing me everything I've done wrong mm -hmm. with my daughter, who I think he said is 21. And I don't know if they're estranged or if it's divorced. Or if they're just hurting, yeah. That. But he wrote me just yesterday, Joel. Mm. And he literally attached his Word document of the notes he took. Wow. Yep. The book. No one has ever done that. Wow, cool. Years. And I went, it really touched my heart to see what, what jumped off the page mm -hmm. for him. And I'm just saying, you know, I, I promise I, my heart is not to, to shout at you as men or to <laughs> disempower you because men can read right between the lines. Right. Like I do not need a woman telling well, me how to be a better father. And, and I, there are 18, yeah. Well, there are 18 million marriage books out there. And basically the core of a lot of them is husbands, you just need to be better. Like there, are, there are a lot of marriage books that are just very focused on, well, you just need to be a better husband. You need to be a better. Well, thanks a lot. I know that I'm screwing up, but that's not right. really terribly helpful. Right. So, so that's why with, with men, like when I speak at men's conferences, I, mm -hmm. I go, here's a dry erase marker. Here's a sticky note pad. Mm -hmm. And right. you can go home tonight. I mean, even one dad told me when he travels for work, he pulled out the dry erase marker I gave him. I saw him a month later. He goes, I never go anywhere without this now. <laughs> and he writes on the mirror in the hotel. Nice. And takes a snapshot and sends it to his two daughters. That's awesome. And I just go, that is an awesome idea, dad. Yep. I'll, I'll pass on your idea, Tim, because that rocks. Right? And I'm saying, even in my groups, men have told me they can tell when a woman disrespects them. Yes. Yep. And I'm saying, I have the greatest respect. I really do for men. And I, I know that God is a father. I mean, talk about a weight. He's saying, you get to represent me because right. I'm a dad, you're a dad. Right. I mean, and, and I think at the same time, not only is that a great responsibility and privilege, but it also means, not that I want to get into a whole theological, you know, sermonette here. <laughs> The truth is that Jesus called Satan something. He called him the something of lies. Do you know mm, what it was? Father. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. He could have called him the CEO of lies. Right. 
the instigator of lies. Right, king of the lies. Grand, the grand poobah of lies. That's right. But he, he called him the father mm. of lies. And yeah. I truly believe that Satan is a counterfeit father mm-hmm. and he hates fathers. Yeah. Because he does not want people to connect with God as a father. Yeah. So there is a direct hit, I believe, by the enemy against dads. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm so honored that I get to partner with God and say, I want to champion men so mm-hmm. they can turn their heart and not just their head. Right. Because that's what he said is the hearts of fathers have to turn. Right. And so I'm saying we as daughters love you, dad, when you help us <laughs> with your head, figure out how to fill out a FAFSA or a car application or, mm-hmm. or some kind of a loan. But at the end of the day, that's not the command God gave. It's that right. your heart has to turn and I believe that's less intuitive for men. Mm-hmm. So I'm here saying to men, okay, if you want to engage your daughter's heart, you're going to have to be more tender. You're going to have to lower your tone, tone of voice, your intensity. You're going to need to lean forward. You're going to need to listen better. Because even my new husband said, you should have called your book, Let's Talk and Listen. He's like, <laughs> dads have got to learn to listen better. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> they're, they're learning how I teach them how you lean forward, you nod your head, you turn your phone ringer off, you mm-hmm. put the remote down and you do what you just did, Joel. Look at you went, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, it's yeah, funny because yeah. every, everything that you're saying dads need to do, I'm going, yeah, I need to do better at that. Yeah, I need to do better at that. Like, it's like you've watched me parent and go, hmm, so he needs some lessons in how to do. <laughs> ask you though, and I mean this, tell me straight up, tell me honestly though, do you feel like my tone Am I beating you up? No, not at all. And that's the thing is uh, you you mentioned it uh, wonderfully well earlier. Dads are really good at picking up on when we're being disrespected. Um, There's a wonderful book about that. It's a marriage book by a a Christian guy named Dr. Emerson Egrix called Love and Respect. Yeah, my my, book. One of the best friends with my husband. Is he really? Oh, that book. Absolutely. So I read that book before my second marriage. And reading through it, I remember sending my now wife just page after page of text messages going, this is something that I've never been able to articulate, to articulate, yeah. but good heavens above. This is so powerful. And, and, you know, and for those of you that haven't read it, well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes because oh, good I mean, like you said, grief. that book was incredible. So now I've gotten, we got love and respect and love and respect in the family and maybe communication of love and respect or love and respect. And like we have a whole two or three source of in the series because those books were just, Oh man. Well, and, and like you said, he talks about something called the crazy cycle. It's yes, like, yep. you know, like I want, I want more respect, but then you don't give me respect. So I don't love you. That's right. And then you don't love me. Cause you just, you didn't love me. So I'm not going to respect you. That's right. Crazy dance yep. that happens to, with fathers and daughters, which is mm-hmm. where, where this comes in. So I go, okay, really at the end of the day, father, dads, you know, padres, it's up to you to love your children, right? right. And when you don't have it in you in the natural, even when they disrespect you. Right. Because the truth is at the end of the day, God is a father. How often does he get disrespected? Right. Oh. Does he stop oh. loving? Does he stop loving? Never. Right. So it, it means you can't do it in the natural, right? It's supernatural. Right. Yep. And, and, and that's why, again, I'm just saying, dad, I get that you're just like me. Our ego can get in the way going, nobody's going to talk like that in my house. And yeah. I'm, I've got the power and you go, man, Jesus laid his power down. And he said he and the father are one. So he came to represent the father. He's like, I laid my power down. 
right? Mm -hmm. I went to the cross. And really, it is going to mean that you lay down your cross mm -hmm. and you're going to feel like you're dying when you don't retaliate. Right. But that, that's how you bring the You've father got, yeah. to your yeah. children so that at, at the end of the day, when you're not there, you know, right. they're going to feel the straw to, to God as a father. And again, I, I've done this thing at, at some conferences I've spoken at where I've said, you know, the founder of psychology, Sigmund Freud, did this thing with word association where mm. he would give a prompt word mm -hmm. and then whatever word so whatever comes, comes in. It, yeah. Remember that? It's like mm -hmm. you're unconscious. Okay. I'm going to do it with you. Okay. Oh no. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the word water. What comes to mind? Swimming pools. Uh, drinking. Dr. Pepper. Nope. Coffee. Okay. Um, <laughs> so on we could go refreshing, you know, mm bathtub. We, right. Like, notice we're doing all happy words. Okay. Right. Here's my thing. Say that you lived in Sendai, Japan in 2011 when they oh, had tsunami. Yeah, that giant tsunami. And or a earthquake. Yeah. And your whole city was wiped out with mm. what? Yeah, water. Water. Yeah, very different they association. The same prompt word. What right. are you now saying? Yeah. Yeah, Death. nothing good. Right. Nothing good. So same, if I was to say to you, and I do this at this conference where I'll go, now I'm going to give you another prompt word. I want you to write the first three words that come to your mind. Okay, I'm going to do it to you, Joel. Father. What do you say? Mm, um, hero, pain, and uh, probably loss. Oh, wow. Because that's, that's my relationship with mine. My dad was my hero, and he passed away 12 years ago, and I've missed him every day since then. And you know, my, my role as a father has been really good for me, but it's also been pretty painful sometimes. Wow. So look at how deep you went really fast, mm -hmm. you know, with that referencing your own story. And I, I think of this one gal, Elena, she gave me permission to share this. But when I asked that, she said, absent, jerk, and lonely. Oh, first three words. And oh. then she wrote me this email after, and we've become friends since, but she said, I never even thought of how I'd projected that onto God as a father, but wow, that's exactly yeah. how I see God. He's a jerk. He's absent. And I'm very lonely. Like I don't feel connected. Right. She said, I wish I would have understood this sooner with my two dads because there was divorce. She said, maybe then I would have had a better image of God. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you mentioned that earlier. I think that's something that a lot of dads, maybe don't understand, especially in blended families, because we, we feel like things are, are different than maybe they would have been. But it is our privilege, responsibility, and also burden to represent God accurately to yeah. our kids. And that's something that I pray all the time because I don't feel like I've done it well. I don't feel like I've shown God's love to my kids as well as I could have. You know what I mean? Um, well, and I think that's something that we need yeah. to do. Well, and what it comes down to, I really think is you're, you're saying, I don't think I've been a good model. Mm -hmm. That's why in this book, I've got questions that dads can ask their daughters about these exact topics, right. about God as the father, about spirituality. I even have questions on uh, divorce on your daughter. So it's on the divorce between you and your ex-wife. Questions on having you as her stepdad, if you're mm -hmm. the one on that side of it, or Maybe it's adoption where right. we're right. a blended family. I have a sister that's adopted yep. two kids yep. and yep. one of them is fine with it. And one, they have different parents. One of them is so grieving that he was given up. Oh, well, yeah. So that's even a different kind of it blend. Is, yeah. Yeah. Adoption and fostering is an entirely different kind of blend, but some of the issues are the same. Yes. And so 
the key is if you can get your kids talking about it, if they're mm -hmm. open to that, and maybe if, if you have a daughter or son that really isn't prone to verbiage uh, in a talking way, oftentimes they'll write it. So mm -hmm. you could pass the paper back and forth or, or say, you know, what kind of a representation of God as a father am I to you? Not just am I yes or no, but how, how am I doing it? Well, where could I improve? Or right. something like that, you know, because mm -hmm. again, it's about getting the conversation going, which right. is why I wrote this book. I want to yeah. enhance the conversations between dads and their kids. And I've had moms say that they found this book helpful too with their daughter or son. So oh, it's I'm sure, yeah. for dads and daughters. But, you know, that's really my sweet spot. So that was my target audience when I mm -hmm. wrote it. But yeah. it's really about enhancing family relationships. Yeah. And, and audience, we will have links to all these books that we're talking about, The Love and Respect and, and Dr. Michelle's books as well. We'll have those links in the show notes so you shouldn't have to go hunt those down. Um, we've talked about some of the challenges and also a lot of the really great blended family experiences that, that you've had professionally as well. Uh, the next question I have is about the Ten Commandments of Blended Families, right? I sent those to you ahead of time. And um, the question is, what, which one of those... Um, having looked through those, which one of the Ten Commandments for Blended Families do you see people struggling with the most? And what would you say or what wisdom would you share with them? Oh, man. Okay, okay. I'm going to turn this back on you. Will you, will you share your favorite? Do you have a favorite one in there? <laughs> um, my favorite is probably the one that says, um, uh, choose to believe the best about the other household. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity when he says, uh, choosing to believe the best and make the other person as comfortable as possible will solve most of the problems. And he's not talking about blended families there. He's, he's talking about differences of, of taste or opinion or context culturally, historically, socially. But the idea, I think, is valid anywhere. If you, if you choose to believe the best about other people, because we, we all get to choose what we believe. I really right. if you choose to believe the best, then you are more likely to get a positive outcome. Whereas if if I interpret everything my ex ever says or does as a direct attack on me, right? I, whether it is that way or not, that's how I'm going to respond, and it's more likely right. to actually it almost becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, have you ever heard of a word called confirmation bias? Yes, if you yep. already have a bias, then you're going right. to filter everything and yes. confirm. Yep. See, I knew yeah. that that's what you were thinking or feeling. Right. Yeah. Yep. So at the end of the day, you're absolutely right that especially with a blended family, mm -hmm. if there's something that you need to talk out with your ex, don't have your kids pay for it. Right. And, and here's another really powerful story. And this has happened due to COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the most phenomenal positive stories I've heard of a blended family mm -hmm. um, where divorce has happened in the last uh, about three years. Mm -hmm. So um, she has two kids, he has three and both are remarried and mm -hmm. it's been, you know, where friends then changed and who, who do their friends pick as their yeah. friends with the husband and his new wife or is right. it her and her new husband and yeah. dividedness yeah. all over the place and the kids suffer and all this. Well, guess what happened during COVID? Because we were so limited, mm -hmm. and I live here in Portland, Oregon, maybe, you know, different states have different laws, but we really have been on a You guys have been real tight lockdown. Yeah. I know, because we had 425 invited to our wedding down to 25. Oh, geez. But here's what was amazing <laughs> is they could have each other over for dinner. Mm, okay. There was a lot of others that they could interact with. Right, but family. Because they were family. 
they started doing weekly dinners. Wow. So this woman and her new husband, new, mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of years now, yeah. but they had never done anything socially as couples. Right. They started coming over for dinner weekly. Wow. And now um, both women are in a book club together. Wow. Kidding me? Mm. And this was not a relationship prior to this that had been very positive. Mm. So this wasn't like the next thing. Right. This was a 180 about face. Wow, that's awesome. And I thought, man, if they could do it, anybody could do it. Mm-hmm. Because it was really, like you said, choosing to believe the best. Right. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt, even though there had been some water under the bridge. Right. And some stuff that had been hurtful or misunderstandings. And I go, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. I think people in blended families need different jewels in their crown when they get to have <laughs> <laughs> It is a rough you know, it's a rough road, right? Yeah, it certainly can be. And it's something that I've talked about with a number of um, a number of other guests on the show too, about how if you are considering starting a blended family, say you're divorced and you're thinking about remarriage or something like that, or if you've never been married, but you're dating someone who has kids, um, the, the premarital counseling you need to do is different. Because yeah. nothing, like, I look, I love pastors, I love counselors and therapists, and I think there's a wonderful place for them. But the problems that come up in a first family are uh-huh. not the same problems that come up in a blended family. There's some overlap, but it's just not the same. And so if you're working with a person who doesn't have any experience with counseling blended family couples, mm-hmm. then the amount of help they're going to, provi- to be able to provide is a little bit more limited. Yeah. Well, let me even add one thing as an insider, as a woman mm-hmm. in now a blended family is mm-hmm. that you've heard me talking a lot about dads to daughters, mm-hmm. but just as a woman, what I know, and, and I'm sure, you know, you would agree is that everything is top down in an organization, right? If you don't have good, a good CEO, it trickles down. Right. Well, same thing. If you don't have a solid marriage in, in right. a new marriage, it trickles down to the kids, right? right. And they can feel it. So it really that's why I love that you mentioned love and respect because that has oh, to do with your marriage. Right. The stronger your communication and your bonding, the better. So back to what I was saying about as a woman, mm-hmm. I literally a week ago mm-hmm. asked my husband, right? My new husband, a couple specific questions about how I was different than his wife that he was married to for 40 years. Oh, that's a dangerous question to ask. But guess what? Is women... We're always comparing. Mm. Was she skinnier? Am I fatter? Was she more creative or gifted in cooking? Like, wow, that's brave of you to ask. We're always doing the comparison thing, you guys. Mm. Men know this. If you're not given to give verbal affirmation, Mm -hmm. we're going to assume we're less than. I tell you, that's the same with your daughter. Like, I've had some dads go, I don't really want to affirm outward beauty. You know, I'll just do character. Well, I've had daughters go, my dad thinks I'm ugly. I'm like, where'd you right. get that? My dad, my dad says I have a nice personality. Yeah. <laughs> he, never, he never said anything to the contrary. Well, right. you guys have to know we do the same thing. Mm. So if you've been married before and it's either through death or divorce, you, I think, I mean, granted, I'm speaking for myself, but again, I've been counseling for close to 25 years mm-hmm. and mentoring girls for 40. <laughs> and I get how we as women think. Mm-hmm. even if we're not verbalizing it, we're, we're always doing this add up thing of, am I less than, am I more wow. than? Yeah. And, but I'm telling you really at the end of the day, Joel, 
we don't usually think we're better than. Mm, yes. It's, yeah. you know, and so if you can find ways, men, that's the way you do the love part of love mm-hmm. and respect to affirm her. Like, I love the way you're creative or like, again, I don't cook. I am not <laughs> a cook. I don't cook. I finally have owned it. And I, I told myself, I don't care, but probably really underneath it. I do a you little You may bit. somewhere, yeah. <laughs> but, but really, I've had to ask him, like, you know, tell me about Dee and what she was like as a cook. Mm-hmm. I'm not as good as her. Tell me what you honestly think. Do you, would you love me more if I cooked for you? Because wow, those they are way to a man's stomach is, you know, as hard as through his stomach. I'm not doing so good in that. Or, <laughs> I, but even last week I was talking about conflict resolution or mm-hmm. communication. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really healthy mm-hmm. conversation for a husband and wife in a, in a new family is to reference some of the realities from before. But again, like you say, I I guess it depends on whether you can handle that. Right. Well, I think it's incredibly um, brave. And I think it it takes a level of, like you mentioned earlier, humility and vulnerability that um, it it would be wonderful if couples can get to. If they're not there, obviously that should be a goal because we need that kind of feedback, both the, the husband and the wife. Like we need to be able to say, what, what can I improve on? What can I do differently? What is it that you need that I'm not providing? You know, that kind of thing. So I literally uh, asked him that last week. I yeah. asked him, how could I be a better wife to mm-hmm. you right now? Right. Yeah. And I wanted to hear what he had to say. Like, right. I want to start our marriage that way. So it stays as a consistent check-in. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's great. Where I could improve mm-hmm. because this is new for me. Right. You know? And yeah. anyway, it's a learning That's process. awesome. Oh, I think that's wonderful. I do. Um, all right. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and learn more about your work? I know you mentioned your website, drmichellewatson.com. Yes. And then if you want to listen to the Dad Whisper podcast, mm-hmm. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or my website, and it's there. And you can always email me just at drmichelle at gmail.com. And if you've got questions or Stories you want to share. I always love, as you could tell today, I love sharing stories of others. Absolutely. Either are really courageously doing it well, yeah. or those dads that come in and have said to me, nobody wants to be the loser dad. I think I say that, you know, and then you don't really want to look at your stuff. And I'm saying the more, the more courageous you can be in owning your stuff and opening up conversations. And granted, I'm speaking to dads now, you know, with your kids in your blended situation, you know, they've got feelings, right? Sometimes, you know, in fact, this, this mom that I talked to last week, they adopted a girl, mm. but she just said she's 14. I think she said, and she said, she's just slamming doors all the time. Oh, yeah. And I said, because she doesn't have words. Yeah. She doesn't know. Doesn't know how to articulate that yet. Say, yeah. and as simple as that was, I mean, that wasn't all that profound, but she goes, Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, you really get this or whatever. <laughs> Instead of, you know, stop that, stop that. Shutting that down is saying, mm-hmm. wow, you must have really big feelings that you don't know what to say. Right. And that's why I really wanted this field guide for, for mm-hmm. relationships. Absolutely. Then open it up going, I don't know what to ask her. Okay. Right. About depression or anxiety or friend conflicts or sibling rivalry. Or right. if you can get her talking, dad, I guarantee they even work with your wife. Husbands and wives that'll just enhance relationships. That's right. I think that's wonderful. I really do. And like I said, I'm looking forward to getting my copy of it and uh, and starting. And I think to I use forgot to say it is the Dad Whisperer. So that's what you'll look at on okay. on 
those platforms. And yes, someone else gave me that name. I didn't call myself that. (laughs) Yeah, that's excellent. All right. So we're going to end up the way I end up with, uh, with my guests, which is doing the lightning round. These are just a series of goofy questions that um, I feel strongly about a couple. Some of them uh, (laughs) I really, you know, not so much. So, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. Okay. Okay. Here's the first one. Um, If you had to pick one of these three, uh, which would you pick Lord of the Rings, Narnia or Harry Potter? Oh, not even a question. Narnia. I nice. was raised on Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, I love it. If you haven't yet, you need to check out a podcast called Pints with Jack. It's, uh, oh. it's a British guy and an American guy, and they work through a lot of C.S. Lewis's stuff. They did Mere Christianity. They've done Till We Have Faces. They've done The Great Divorce. They've done, Lion, uh, they've done the whole Narnia series. Um, I love their podcast. I'm currently starting season two, but Pints oh, with Jack awesome. there. Okay. Gotta check them out. They're cool. Um, okay, number two, uh, hot dogs or hamburgers? Uh, hamburgers. Good, yeah, no wrong oh, answer. Well there. done, no pink, and uh, <laughs> some cheddar cheese. Nice, yeah, all, <laughs> always pickles. I yeah. like it. That's how, you need to have some of my mother-in-law's homemade pickles. They are spectacular. Ooh. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, number three, boneless wings. Are they a real thing, or are they just pretentious nuggets? Pretentious nuggets. Absolutely, they're pretentious <laughs> nuggets. I mean, good grief. Uh, number four, dogs or cats? Mm, man, Joel, I'm about 50-50. I was raised with cats, <laughs> uh-huh. but I'm not so much a cat person anymore. Okay. I kind of flip the dogs, but, you know, they were part of my foundation, you know? Yeah. Got to be loyal to the little felines who That's fair. You know, snuggled up growing up. Can't turn go. on them now. <laughs> That's right. I, so my wife and I did an episode a while back that was each of us interviewing the other. And when I asked her that question, she said, why would you make me choose? Because we love both. <laughs> she loves both. I'm a dog okay, person, good. but... I'm learning to be okay with cats because one has adopted us. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, all right, here's number five. A tea, sweet or unsweet? Oh, man, probably sweet. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Down here in Alabama, it's got to be sweet. Oh, there you go. That's, that's how yeah. it's got to be. And then, we uh, not sweet tea up here, though, I'm telling no, well, you. Well, Portland's a weird place, man. Oh, yeah, it's gotten yeah. weirder. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> today, everything's boarded up now. I'm telling you, it feels so oh. weird here, but we digress. Welcome That's to Venus, right. right? My planet. I'm like, one thing, and I'm telling you everything I want on my head. I love head. it. You did not ask that. It's okay. I love it. That's good. But I love it. It's a beautiful city. It's just kind of going through a crisis, so I can't wow. turn on it now. That's right. Slamming the door in my face. I got to practice what I preach. There you go. That's right. Give it time. It can get better. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last question. What is your favorite quote? What comes to mind? Bible verse, hymn, song, lyric, line from a book, movie line, whatever it may be. Okay. Can I do two? Certainly. Okay. I'll give you a quote and a Bible verse. Okay. I'll do one of each. Okay. One of my favorite quotes, um, I actually have it on a sign in my house. It's in my waiting area because I work out of my house. Mm -hmm. And here it is. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. Hmm. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm, I love that. It always reminds me, and I literally mean this always, to when I get kind of stuck in a wad over stuff here, it kind of just helps me flip stuff around. Like I love the way Larry Crabb says it is we can get stuck in our smaller story Mm. instead of living to advance the larger story of God. And so this thing about, you know what, at the end of the day, it's not all about elections and COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, even, even divorce and remarriage, it's really at the end of the day is how do I lead with my spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the more you as parents can introduce your kids to God, 
know, that's the stuff that lasts, right? So that's my favorite quote. And then okay. let me give, I'll give you my favorite verse. I actually put this in my vows this summer. Nice. It's been my favorite verse for, oh my goodness, probably 30 years, 25 years. It's um, Psalm 119.68 that just says about God, you are good and what you do is good. Mm. And when I was going through a lot of my, I have a pretty extensive abuse history, mm. um, sexual abuse history, and I projected that onto God. We were talking about that earlier. And I literally didn't believe he was good. I used to go, if you're good, why would this have happened? Why? Like, but I would at times just have tears pouring down my face oh. and I would say, I'm going to believe this, these nine words. Mm. And, oh, I'm laughing at myself right now because I, I actually put it to music once when I was getting ready and um, I'll sing it. Okay. We'll have a little musical ending, but um, it's funny. We're doing this random. So I this love is it. in my head, but it's, you are good and what you do is good. You are good and what you do is good. Even when I haven't understood, you have kept your promise because you said you would. I believe your promise because you said you would. Mm, that's wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh. There you go. And that, you, you know what? Here's the thing is after that, people who listen to this, that's going to be stuck in their head. <laughs> oh, good. Because, because music is powerful. I love that. Um, uh, I just, I, I can't tell you enough. Dr. Michelle Watson, thank you for coming on the show. Um, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for um, sharing both about your work and about yourself. Um, I just, I really appreciate you being willing to open up the way that you have and, and share with our listeners uh, so many powerful truths about dads with daughters. And also, um, I, I love what you're leaving us with. God, you are good and what you do is good. And that's, mm -hmm. that's hard to remember when things don't feel or look good on the outside. Yeah. And so. I'm honestly living proof right now mm -hmm. at the age of 60 that God has always kept his promises, even in the valleys. I now look back and say, why did I ever doubt you? You've, get, you've expanded my capacity in the way that you met me in the depths and I mm -hmm. wouldn't trade them now for anything. Mm -hmm. So as a seasoned, wise old woman, well, I don't know about <laughs> wise, but old and seasoned, I just say, yeah, just choose to hold on to God no matter what, because he will always, always keep his word that he's good and he'll work things together for good. Yeah. Amen. Thank you again for coming on the show. Oh, um, you are welcome back anytime. And uh, congratulations on the recent marriage and the tribe blending and joining. I'm so happy about that for you guys. Yeah. Um, and thank you again for coming on the show. I look forward to uh, I look forward to this episode coming out and people being able to hear it. Oh, me too. It's been a joy to be with you, Joel. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. I'm honored you took the time to listen to the show, and I pray that God will continue to bless you and your blended family. If you'd like a copy of my complete blended family toolkit, send me a message, and be sure to go and follow today's guest as well. Please like and subscribe to the show as this gives us more visibility and allows us to encourage more blended families. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a review on iTunes or elsewhere. Remember, in the words of Tolkien, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, walk worthy and Godspeed. Thank you.